think you hate marketing? Think again. I'm Kelly, and welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast, where I help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Brendan Kumar Sarami is the founder of MasterTalk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called MasterTalk, with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Welcome, Brendan. I'm so happy you're here today. Kelly, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you write on your website that you still remember how scared you were when you posted your first YouTube video. Fear stops so many people from ever sharing a video. Where do you think that fear comes from? Beautiful question, Kelly. You know, if you had asked me three years ago that question, I probably would have said, I don't know, like San Diego, London, LA, you tell me. <laughs> Luckily, I've gotten smarter since then, so I have a better explanation today. Here's, here's what I'll say. Let's think about it. Where do we learn how to speak in a formal setting? And the answer for all of us, regardless of where you live in the world, is the education system. Elementary school, high school, that's where we learn how to speak. But all of those presentations, Kelly, have three fundamental issues. Number one, all of them are mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Kelly, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Says nobody ever. So that's <laughs> one. Two, all of those presentations are different. So it's never, hey, Kelly, what are you excited about? Do you like Lisha? I like that cat. Do you like a podcast launching model? No, it's you got to talk about Shakespeare and poetry. And then after you've done that. You got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, do I even live in Missouri? Like, why am I doing that? So that's number two. And finally, number three, the worst of all, Kelly, all presentations are punishable. If you don't do a great job, you don't get a pat on the back, you get a slap in the face and you lose 25% of your grade. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is we grew up believing that communication is a chore, not something that's fun to do. And nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Mm, that is brilliant. I have never heard it explained that way. And you are so right. So I love that you said that we present on things that we're not interested in, we don't care about. We have to do so much research. And it's something that we don't care about researching. Like you said, do I even live in Missouri? Why do I care about Missouri? It's, I don't want to go to Missouri. I mean, this, this isn't true for me, but you know, most people are thinking, I don't even want to go to Missouri. Why should I care? And so you're stuck doing all of this research for nothing. And you're right. You know that if you don't do a good job, you're going to not get a passing grade or it's going to ding your grade. And then let's add on to that. If you don't do a good job, you may get laughed at. 1,000%. So, yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. So is some of that what you were thinking about before you shared your first YouTube video? Definitely not. Like in the sense of, you mean the framework, the way that I thought about fear? No mm -hmm. way. I, I just, I was really scared when I started posting my first video. I didn't give it much thought. Okay. The reason you just I felt fear. Yeah, I just felt fear. <laughs> now, now I'm yeah, able to explain. We're not rational it. about it. Yeah, we don't <laughs> actually examine, why am I afraid of this? Though we should, but... <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I always say the greatest challenge of communication, Kelly, and I'm controversial in my industry for saying this, actually isn't fear, but rather motivation. Because if we aren't motivated enough to conquer the fear, we won't actually do it. 
Think about so many podcasters. Maybe it wasn't the case with you, but a lot of them, they're really scared when they start the first episode. They're like, oh my God, right? Mm -hmm. But the motivation is greater than the fears. They do it anyways. So why did I post? I mean, I was a 22-year-old kid in my mother's basement. I had no money and I barely had an education in university and I have a bachelor's degree in accounting and a crooked left arm. Why would I create? And oh, I, I didn't even mention I spoke French my whole life because I grew up in a French education system. So why did I start pressing? Why did I say, oh, I could make uh, executive communication videos? The reason was simple. I did it for the seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. Who does she have? Who does the 13-year-old girl in Cambodia have? She's not going to relate to the 65-year-old dude on YouTube. Exactly. She's only going to relate to me. And that's what made me do it. That's excellent. And so when you talk about that motivation, it always reminds me of Nike's just do it. And I know it's not that simple, but it really is a matter of taking action, isn't it? Absolutely, Kelly. And the only layer I'll, I'll add on top of that is a question that I ask every person I've worked with, every, per- every show I've been on. And the question is, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? So much of communication is about anxiety, nerves. We dream about the Bugattis we want to buy, the expensive cars, the things, the bling, the experiences, the traveling. When was the last time we dreamed about a world in which we're a better communicator in it? And it doesn't mean speaking on a stage Mm -hmm. because communication is about leading a more fulfilling life. It's the way that we talk to our families and argue a bit less. It's the way that we make the waiter at a restaurant feel just a little bit better because they got a bunch of shitty clients that day. And it's the way that we meet new friends and make new friends when we travel to exotic places. And once we find that reason for us, even if it's something tiny, that's what pushes us to reframe communication for what it actually is, which is a tool to make impact and just live a better life. That's great. You're so right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be just speaking on a stage, making corporate presentations or whatever. It's communication is everything. It's day-to-day, it's travel, it's all-encompassing. Absolutely. So, so what is your background in communication or speaking and, and what made you decide to do this work? Absolutely, Kelly. So the story for me started in college, university. I went to business school. And I had zero interest in being an entrepreneur, yet alone a YouTuber. I wanted to be an executive in a Fortune 500 company. That was my goal. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. My parents were factory workers making minimum wage in Canada. So for me, it was about how do I get a great job? So I pursued the safest path to life, which is accounting. And I studied in that field. But during my college career, I did these things called case competitions, Kelly. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing football or rugby or baseball, I was one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But what ended up happening is I grew an obsession with these case competitions. And as I started winning them myself, I started to coach the new students who were entering this program. Not really for money. I just wanted them to be successful because I'm really competitive. And that's how I learned 40 years of communication in four. So by the time I was 22, I'd probably coached around 70, 75 people on communication and accidentally realized that I actually knew a lot more than I thought. And that's what led to YouTube. That's awesome. You've got your experience and your background, and that makes you an excellent 
teacher and coach for what you do. Oh, and I super appreciate that, Kelly. You know, it was, it was really funny when I started coaching because, you know, my average client now is 20 years older than me, 20, 25 years, right? And, and the reason, I know it's shocking, right? The, the no, reason- but that's great because right. I think that what it comes down to now, like it used to be that you had to have all of this education, all of these certifications to prove your credentials, you know? And now, and I love this, People just want to see that you can do what you say you can do. Isn't hey, that awesome? I, I mean, um, you you hit the nail on the head there, Kelly. Let's actually jump into the the question that we're running into, which is imposter syndrome. Yeah, right. A lot of us feel that, and I'm the king of this subject because you know most of my clients are, are two decades older than me. So how did I bring the confidence to do this? And and I'll tell you a story. Where do you live, by the way? Because it'll, it'll play into the story. I'm in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Awesome. I was in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. So that's oh, fine. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So so let's play this out. Let's say I came to Pittsburgh. Okay. And I said, hey, I'm new to the city, Kelly. What should I do in the city? You'll probably tell me. Oh, you got to go to this Bremonti Bros place. You got to go to this restaurant. You got to check this out. And you'll probably tell me. In the same way that if you came to Montreal, where I'm based in Canada, you say, hey, Brendan, I'm in the city. What should I do? I'll probably tell you. Oh, you got to go to this restaurant unless you're vegan. Then don't go to this chicken place, and I'll probably tell you. But don't you? I find love that... Montreal, by the way. Haven't oh, been in a while, but love it. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> but don't you find that odd? Because we're not tour guides. Mm-hmm. Our dads, our parents—they're like the mayor of Pittsburgh or Montreal, and we don't even think to question our own expertise. We just run our mouth without ever thinking. Hey, is this? Am I credible to show this or to tell this? Whereas this other piece of information in our brain, like the expertise that we spent years honing, that we hesitate. So the bigger question around imposter syndrome is why is there a disconnect? Why is there some piece of information that we just blab all day long without even thinking about, hey, am I an expert in tour guides versus the thing that we actually want to do, we hesitate? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that question is simple. The definition of being an expert. What does expertise even mean? Does expertise mean exactly what you said? The credentials, the master's degrees, the PhDs? Of course not. The only way that I define expert is that you're one step ahead of the next person in that specific thing. So in the same way that you can teach me a lot about Pittsburgh that I definitely wouldn't know about, I can probably teach you a thing or two about communication, about public Mm -hmm. speaking. So what's the solution? The remedy is serve the person you're comfortable serving. I didn't start with CEOs. I started with 15-year-old boys and girls and I moved my way up. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I think too often we define expert as the best of the best. And that's not the definition. Like you said, it's being a step ahead of whom we're serving. And it could be two, three, however many steps ahead, but at least a step ahead. And it's whom we're comfortable serving. Absolutely. And the nuance I'll add to that, except for like doctor or something like that, is, right? We should always practice surgery on (laughs) dead animals in my yard. So let me, let me operate on you. You know, it's funny, right? We're always trying to make excuses in our mind not to do something. You know, we we take we take the exemption and we try and make it a generalized principle for everything. Mm-hmm. But most of us aren't doctors. Most of us aren't trying to be lawyers, and that's okay. 
But the point is you should always invest in yourself. Like I invest a ton of money into myself, but it doesn't cost anything to start mm. to be a student of what you're doing. And if you're doing it that way, to Ali Gadet's point, I love his quote. I think it summarizes the discussion perfectly is if you help one person, the world will give you permission to help everyone else. Mm -hmm. So how did that timeline work for me? Because once again, I had zero intention of making this a business. Mm -hmm. It just ended up being my calling later in life. I was supposed to be an accountant, right? I worked at IBM for three years, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't my path until it turned into one. Mm -hmm. I started with 15-year-old girls and boys. I was comfortable serving them. Mm -hmm. Then I coached people my own age. I started coaching when I was 19, so I'm seven years into this now. Started coaching people my own age for free. It was fun. I made a ton of mistakes and it was cool. There was no pressure. Yeah. But then I went straight to CEO. Why is that? Because a lot of my friends were in their early 20s and they were starting technology companies and they couldn't afford an executive coach. Mm -hmm. So they said, hey, Brenda, I need a pitch to investors. Can you help me? And I said, yeah, sure. And I started going through and I learned executive coaching through them. Wow. So the same principles that I applied for them is literally the same principles that I applied for someone 30 years older than them because it's mm -hmm. the same challenges. And that's why I built it up. And now it's super easy for me to coach C-level and VPs, but it didn't start there. And that's right. the key. It's the progression. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of people will try to start at the top without having that, ex getting that experience and working their way up, like you said. And that really triggers imposter syndrome. Who am I to be coaching these CEOs? Well, then start a few steps down and work your way up there. And that really helps you get over that imposter syndrome, like you were saying. 1,000%. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking today about how to present online effectively. Um, what are some of the top mistakes that you see people making when they present online? Absolutely. So let's go through the, the three key differences, Kelly, between in-person and online. So we're starting okay. this off. Great. So number one is eye contact. So when we're in person, we're moving our head around mm -hmm. to meet people in the eye as we're talking to them. But when we're online, we're only supposed to look in one direction, which is the camera lens. So the mistake that most of us make is we try and look at the person on the screen versus the person in the lens. And even I struggle with this too. Mm -hmm. But the added benefit of online is you don't have to move your head. Whether it's one or 10,000 people on a Zoom call, you just have to look in one direction. So that's number one. Number two is energy. Let's face it, Kelly. It's a lot easier to show up with energy when you're in person with someone than virtually. It's impossible to replicate exactly because in person, you get a lot more sensation. You could hug the person, give them a high five, shake their hand. Yeah. And the accountability is much higher because you actually have to shower. You actually have to look good. Whereas online, you don't have to do that. Like you can say, okay, I got a meeting at this time. Do I really have to wear pants? Like there's that, there's that liaison. There's that... Uh, buffer right right you have so to, you have to be motivated to show up online with energy and looking good psych yourself up you can feed off of other people's positive energy in person i'll put on some music beforehand doing this online to pump myself up i mean i look forward to these interviews anyway but yeah i'll still put on some music and psych myself up absolutely so, and I love that share. And what's the, what's the message? The message is bring more energy in person and transfer as much of that as possible back mm. online. And that's the only way to do this correctly. Mm. And also you can have people on a Zoom call with you who say, hey, you're not as energetic as you are in person mm. to hold you accountable to that standard. 
That's number two. Number three is a rare one that a lot of people don't think enough about is accessibility. So if I wanted feedback, let's say you were watching me present in person, Kelly, and I wanted your feedback, there's no friction. I just walk up to you and I say, hey, Kelly, let's get lunch. I'd love to get your thoughts on how I can present better, what you, you would have done instead. And it's easy for me to get that information. But online, it's much harder because there's friction. The second the Zoom call ends, the conversation just ends. Yeah. So we need to force those interactions. Of course, it's easier today because it's not fully online anymore. You could bring a lot of those conversations in person, but it does pay to just have one or two conversations with people that you know will be in your audience and just ask them questions so you know at least they'll be in the room and it will bring up your energy levels. That's great. Yeah, those are some significant differences that clearly we we don't think about. And so that first one about looking in the camera or I look at myself at the top of Zoom. So to do that, you have to have it on speaker mode where the speaker is shown at the bottom and you're at the top. And it's tough. I feel a little bit vain. <laughs> but it's easier to look there than just into the camera, you know. But yeah, we're so used to looking at the other person and it feels a little bit rude, like I'm not looking at you. But you see me at what well, you're not looking at me because you're looking up at the camera or at yourself. So it doesn't matter. But yeah, when we, <laughs> so neither one of us is looking at the other. <laughs> but yeah, when we look at the other person, then when the viewer ends up watching the recording, we're looking at the viewer. And that's what matters. Even exactly. though it feels awkward to us, but you get used to it. No. You do. <laughs> no. And you can tell what you look like if you're doing like I am and looking at, and looking at myself. <laughs> uh, so that's all great. Thank you so much. Um, okay. So then are those also mistakes that people make in presenting online? That's correct, those, Kelly. So, okay. So that ties into those mistakes, mm -hmm. which is the first one, like you don't look at the camera lens. The second piece is you don't actually show up with a lot of energy in person. So it's really hard to replicate that. And then the third piece around accessibility is you're actually not actually asking questions mm. to the audience. So you don't know if you're getting better. And those three things are really simple. It's just nobody does it, which brings us to another piece around communication. I think is important as well is what I call my easy threes, Kelly. So think of it like this. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of them is eye contact, one of them is smiling, one of them is facial expressions, body language storytelling and it can get really confusing for somebody who's trying to master that because they'll try and juggle all of them so what happens all of them fall to the floor so it doesn't work yeah. so now the question becomes besides the three tips we talked about what are the three easiest balls that people can juggle on a daily basis to actually start working on their communication so i'll share one at a time okay let's say we start with number one the random word exercise Pick a random word, like trophy case, like master, like talk, like lighting, and create random presentations out of thin air. Why is this exercise effective? The reason is because it helps you think very quickly on your feet. So if you're doing these random words and you go back to your subject matter expertise, those presentations become a joke. So if you spend a few minutes every day to do this, and everyone's got it, because I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast hopefully takes a shower once in a while, so you got 10 minutes there. or you can pick up, if for those of you who are listening to this who have children, 
You can also do it with your kids as you're picking them to and from school. So everyone's got 10 minutes, just no one puts in the time. So that's number one. That's great. I love that. Yeah, that that keep your mind really active. That's a nice challenge. And I think it could be really fun because it it's, doesn't have to be serious. It doesn't have to be something you would ever share with anyone else. It can be totally silly. And it could even be something that you're sharing, like you're telling to your kids. 1000%. And I, I just love it. You're, you're affirming everything in the exact right way, Kelly, is communication isn't supposed to be serious at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. Sure, we have our presentations, we have our corporate sales targets, we have all of those things we want to do in our businesses. But the foundation should be, are we actually enjoying this process? That's why a lot of guys, as an example, Kelly, they grew up loving sports, not necessarily because of the sport itself, but because all of the memories they have as children are positive. So when they're playing basketball on the street with their friends, their dad isn't hitting them with the basketball every time they miss the shot. Yeah. But we're doing that with our children and with ourselves. So we grew up hating communication because every memory we have as kids is negative unless you're in theater. That's the only exception that I could think of. True. Oh, yeah. Theater's great. Yeah. So that's that's true. Then bringing these random word stories in with our kids, that's setting them up for communication success later. Correct. Love that. That's excellent. Absolutely. Which brings me to number two now. So now we covered the random word. Number two, for those of you who implement this, you'll get the value you need from the show. It's called question drills, Kelly. We get asked questions all the time in our life. On a podcast, on a prospecting call, on a job interview, we always get asked questions. But guess what? Most of us are reactive to those questions. We wait for the question to appear, and then we go, uh, and then we answer it. Like the example I gave earlier in this conversation about when I started guessing on podcasts, I sucked. And somebody asked me the question you asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, I don't know, man, London, Los Angeles, you tell me, right? So I wasn't prepared for that question. So I didn't do a good job, but there's an easy way to fix this. All you have to do, Kelly, every day for five minutes, that's all I'm asking for. Write down and answer one question you think the world will ask you about your expertise. And if you do that once a day for a year, with only five minutes of work, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry, and you'll be bulletproof on any podcast, any sales call, or really any conversation you have. I love that. And we can certainly think of a shit ton of questions that people ask us on our area of expertise. Yeah, you're so right. It feels the worst to be asked something that we know but for some reason, we're just not prepared for. And to exactly. go, um, and pause and hesitate, <laughs> it feels terrible. And then later, we, like all things, we think of the perfect answer and we want to redo. And we can't get that redo. Yeah, I love that. Five minutes a day, write down a question and answer it in writing, in writing because that makes it stick. Absolutely. Or you could use like a voice recorder or writing. True. That, that all works. Yes, whatever I, works best for you. Exactly. But I love the writing piece. That's what I do personally. Mm-hmm. I think the key is more about, are we taking action on this? Because what I like about my easy threes is there's no excuse to not do it. 
Like you don't need a partner. You can literally do this alone. Even if you're the most introverted person listening to this podcast, you can still implement. Like the random word exercise, too scared to do it with your kids, which is weird. Do it with yourself, right? And that's number two. Number three, the final easy three. So if people just implement all three of these, they'll have gotten the result from listening to this podcast. So simple, nobody does it, Kelly. Make a list of the 10 people you love the most in your life. Five people. Let's make it even easier. And ask yourself a simple question. When was the last time we sent them? Not a 20-minute, not a 20-hour, but a 20-second video message to just say, hey, I really appreciate having you in my life. Thanks so much for the energy you bring. I w- it, life just wouldn't be the same without you. Simple. But it's so simple, nobody does it. 20 seconds. This is how I make most of my money, Kelly, for my business owners listening to this. All I do is I make a list of all my existing clients and all my past clients. And guess what they get on their birthday or during the holidays? They get a video message from me, not a sales pitch, not a, hey, buy my program, invest in my next thing. Hey, Kelly, just want to say happy birthday. I hope you're having a beautiful day. Super grateful to have worked with you this year, even if you're not a client, but you know what I mean? Hope you're having a wonderful year. And 10% of the time, you know what always happens, Kelly? They always respond with, you know, Brendan, always great to hear from you. I totally forgot. Darn me. I totally forgot to introduce you to one of my vice president friends you got to have lunch with. Boom. I make five grand a day. That's it. Wow. Just nobody does it. A little video message. That's it. Nobody sends video messages. Well, I'm sure some people do. Extroverts. Right. And that's the principle. This is the ethos of my my life, my coaching, my thought leadership, and people can write this on a piece of paper. It's the most important sentence I'll utter today. If you communicate 20% better than your competition, you will stand out 100% of the time. Mm. I'll repeat that one again. If you communicate 20%, not 200%, not 2 million percent, 20%, you'll stand out 100% of the time. So even if the video sucks, just the fact that you're doing the video means you're beating most people in your industry because most people are just not doing the video at all. Hmm. Oh, wow. I have a colleague who uh, doesn't do that, but when she sends notes on a project, she sends them in the form of video. I find them very easy to use to implement the notes, even though I like reading things. But most importantly, they're memorable. And so they really stick with me. And she sticks with me from doing the videos. Her energy comes through. And it's just, wow, this is really unique. Video really is powerful. Absolutely. And let's 10x that even more because you started a great thread there, Kelly. It's, It's even more than that. You stand out, if you work at a company, you stand out from everyone in the company. So one thing I have my CEOs do that people can implement is I have them doing the same strategy, but it's just not for business. It's for retention of their team. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's one of their star employees' birthday. You don't need to send them a $50 bottle of wine. All you have to do, you send them a 30-second video message saying one thing you appreciate about working with them. Guaranteed it increases your retention. And nobody does it. And you'll stand out throughout the whole company. You know, Mm -hmm. all the time, whenever I'm asking a question, let's say in a free training, I say, how long has everyone worked in their corporate careers? They might say 10, 15, 20 years. And I go, in those 15 years, how many times have you received one video message? Just saying, hey, happy holidays, nothing crazy. All of them always answer zero. So if you're the person who does it, my goodness, you'll stand out easily. Wow. That is amazing. 
it it does i've never done it never but i am shocked to hear at how little it is done your clients must be doing really well then if they're following your advice <laughs> because if i received a video message i would be massively impressed when i receive a video I mean, not video, um, an audio, not just a voicemail, but like a text audio Yep, that impresses me because that takes more effort that I mean, calling is an effort, but a text audio, for some reason that feels like an effort to me. So it's impressive and flattering. Absolutely. And, and I can explain that piece is that life is all about scarcity, mm -hmm. right? As human beings, we value scarcity. So something that we don't get often is generally speaking, something we value more. So for example, that's why companies like Louis Vuitton and Gucci and Armani, when you go to their stores, even if I don't buy from those companies, they'll usually have one or two pieces of that specific purse, that specific legging, that specific X piece of clothing, because they want you to feel that scarcity. Same thing with video messages. That's why it's more, or even the voice message. I love that one too and I do that one as well, is that you receive so few or even zero that even if it's just a little bit more effort, like literally 20 seconds, it feels so much more impactful because it's so rare. Yeah. So technically, with a video message, how do you do it? You just record the video on your phone and then go into your photos where the video is and send as a message that's simple that's it okay. that's it because with an audio message through a text you record it right in the text but so video it is that extra step record and then send it from your photos right okay. but the only it's the only simple. different absolutely and uh, some of the social media apps, because to your point, I'm glad you brought that up because I really want to make sure people don't overthink this, mm -hmm. is, is it's not about being perfect here. So a lot of, most of my video messages, I would say 90% of them are built in the app. So mm -hmm. for example, LinkedIn and Facebook Messenger where I send most of my videos. Oh, they're built in. They're all built in. Yeah, you just got to click the, but you, you only have up to like 20 seconds or something for mm -hmm. Facebook and LinkedIn. You can go for like a minute or something. Okay. But the point is it doesn't need to be long. Yeah. Just look for it and implement it and you'll get the result. You just got to do it through a mobile phone and you're all, all right. set. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love that they're so limited. So yeah, you just, you don't have to go on just, hey, quick hello, thinking of you. I mean, hopefully it'll be more than that, but just start out with, it can be that simple. And if, Literally. like you said, if it's their birthday, wanted to wish you a happy birthday, haven't chatted or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's great. Absolutely. Awesome. And yeah, so if I were to do it through a text, people shouldn't take the time to do this, but I could trim the beginning and ending if, <laughs> if I really wanted to. But no, we should just record and send. Just record and send. Correct. Okay. Don't overthink it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a great example of this, too. I mean, people should watch my first videos on YouTube. They weren't that great. I'm just okay. a kid in a basement. It's grainy. Nothing's edited. Uh, during the pandemic, when I started doing, I didn't even know I could guest on a podcast. Something I learned is a brand new insight. I, I had hair that was massive because I couldn't cut my hair for six months. Oh, so I looked ridiculous. Like it's all those videos are up online. You, I love that you kept them up. Yeah, of course. 
because it creates an environment where people, if they don't do the thing, it's because they're not willing to do the thing. That's always my perspective. Is like, I really want to push people who are listening to this, Kelly. Because if I'm spending time being on a podcast, I really want to make sure people are doing the thing. You don't have to buy anything from me, but make sure you're implementing the random word exercise, question drill, video message. Maybe pick one and do it tomorrow. And if you're just willing to do that, you'll be willing to do something that most people in your industry aren't willing to do. Yeah, that's brilliant. Brendan, this has been fabulous. I love your tips. These are all immediately doable. I really appreciate it. Pleasure is absolutely mine. How can people learn more about you and work with you, which would be fabulous, but where can they they go to find out more? Absolutely, Kelly. Such a pleasure being on your show. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to master talk in one word and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas for free. And the second way to keep in touch is rockstarcommunicator.com. I do a free training every two weeks that's live. So this is not a recorded webinar on Zoom. I'm on the call. I'm facilitating it. And it's super fun and it's free. So if you want to register for that, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com and register. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your being here today. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I'll put those links in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website. Amazing. And thank you all for being here today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'll be back in a few days. See you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast. 